I'm Laura London, and this is a special video edition of Speaking of Jung. Joining us today for episode 108 is Jungian analyst and psychological astrologer Kiyomi Hirosei in Fukuyama, Japan. Born in Onomichi near Hiroshima, she attended Osaka City University, where she received a master's degree in clinical psychology in 1992. She worked in Osaka as a psychotherapist at a child guidance center and in a psychiatric hospital before heading to Switzerland in 1999. She trained as a Jungian analyst at the C.G. Jung Institute Zurich, where she earned a diploma in analytical psychology, the degree of a Jungian analyst, in 2005. Since returning from Switzerland, Kiyomi has been working as a psychotherapist at a psychiatric clinic as a school counselor, and as a Jungian analyst in private practice, where she also supervises clinical psychologists. She has lectured at the International School of Analytical Psychology, known as ISAP Zurich, on her thesis, Dynamics of Masculinity and Femininity, as seen through comparing wedding ceremonies and tales in three traditions as well as on the manuscript, she translated from Japanese into English, the Code of Laozi, a gate for the Great Tao, the ultimate principle of sexuality hidden in Laozi's teaching, published by Chiron in 2020. Kiyomi studied with Liz Green's Center for Psychological Astrology in London, and in March of this year, received a diploma from Dr. Green's Mercury Internet School of Psychological Astrology, making her the only Jungian analyst to hold such a degree. Kiyomi has lectured with the astrologer Ruji Kagami on Jungian psychology and astrology, Jungian psychology in the tarot, and the I Ching. This spring, she will be presenting psychological astrology to the Jungian community in Japan. Kiyomi is an active member of the Association of Jungian Analysts Japan, the Japan Association of Jungian Psychology, the Japan Clinical Psychologist Association, and the Hiroshima Clinical Psychologist Association, as well as the Astrological Association and the British Astrological Association. This video interview is being recorded on Friday, April 8th, 2022, through the magic of StreamYard. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kiyomi. Thank you for inviting me as a guest of your podcast. It's a my, Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. So we have quite an international audience here at Speaking of Young. I hear from listeners all over the world. Uh, so I like to include analysts from different countries to share with our audience all of the various Jungian associations that exist across the globe. You are with the Association of Jungian Analysts in Japan. Mm -hmm. So would you tell us a little bit about the Jungian community there? Yeah, uh, there is an association of Jungian analysts in Japan. The abbreviation is AJAJ, and that was accepted uh, by IAAP in 2001. Okay. And then from the next year, they, they gave lectures and seminars in Japan. And at the moment, there are 45 vote, voting members Oh, yeah, and I am one of them, and four associate mem members, which means who are Japanese analysts uh, and abroad, and there are some uh, some analysts who who don't join the association. So maybe around sixty Japanese analysts. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, somewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. So you went to Zurich to train mm -hmm. as a young analyst and you actually lived there for six years. Yes, yes. And then you returned to Japan. So tell us a little bit about the path you took to become a Jungian analyst. Yeah. Uh, the My life has been led, uh, led by a feather blown by the wind mm -hmm. somehow. 
like a three, like a fairy tale, the three feathers. The yeah. three feathers, yep. Feathers, yeah. And the origin, uh, why I became an analyst, goes back to my youth. So a little bit long story. But when I became a junior high school student, I became a member of basketball club activity because I just like to play basketball. But the teacher of the basketball moved to my junior high school and he was uh, very strict. And every team he trained became the strongest in the city and even in the prefecture. And he uh, he was very warm-hearted, so he was popular among the students and also among the parents. But I was afraid of, of him mm -hmm. because he scolded me so mm -hmm. often and he lectured me so often. And he uh, chose me as captain, even mm -hmm. though I was against it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I had a difficult time tra training under him. And when uh, we lost the game, that means we couldn't go further anymore. Mm. And we couldn't be the strongest in the prefecture. He, call, he called me to his room and I was very afraid he, he would lecture mm. me once again. Yeah, and then he said, you, uh, you became a good player. Mm. You did a good job. He praised me for the first time. Mm -hmm. I was so surprised. And then he added, I recommend you to study psychology in the future. And, yeah. And that was the first time that I heard the word psychology. And then I didn't know what the psychology was, mm -hmm. but the word sunk into my, into my heart. Yeah, and then three years later, when I had to take an uh, entrance examination for the university, I made a very small mistake and it caused a lot of problem. And I had lost a lot of scores, so I couldn't go to the university where I wanted. Oh. Yeah. I cried, cried, yeah. cried for two weeks. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But anyway, I chose the university where I could study psychology. Yeah. And I entered the university, that's Osaka City University. Mm -hmm. And then that very year, a very famous professor who studied Jungian psychology just moved to my university. So that was how I met Jungian psychology. Ah. So that was as if uh, I made a mistake to meet Jungian psychology. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you you just went from there and you studied with this professor while yeah. he was there, yeah, and yeah. then you you graduated and you worked in the field for a while. What mm. what what? inspired you, I guess is the word, to head to Switzerland? Yeah, I I had many dreams uh, in which I went to Switzerland, sometimes by plane and sometimes sometimes on foot. It's a long way. On but foot. then mm. yeah, on foot yeah. to Switzerland. Yeah. Then I thought uh, uh, I began to think of studying uh, Jungian psychology in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but not to be an analyst, but just to uh, take some lectures and seminars at the Jung Institute. Oh, okay. Take, yeah, analysis. Yeah, and I went to Switzerland. Yes. So you follow, you listen to your dreams. You paid attention to what they were telling you, and uh, you you went there to stay for a while. Yeah. Yes, yes. Not just not just go back and forth. You actually no. moved there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. while you were there, uh, you were in analysis, you were attending lectures, and then you made the decision to train to become a Jungian analyst. Tell us about that. Yeah. At first, 
I had no idea to, to become an analyst, but anyway, I had to choose an analyst. And I, mm -hmm. I went to the Jung Institute, Institute and I was given two lists of analysts. And one uh, includes more than 600 uh, analysts in Switzerland. And the other one had more than 300 training analysts. And I didn't know any analysts at that, at that time. So I began to study the lists very carefully. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it included names and birth year and the location of the praxis and the specialties and the languages and so on, and telephone numbers and so on. Mm -hmm. And then I began to cross off some names uh, too far away, no English, and uh, some specialties that I, I am not interested in or something like that. Mm -hmm. And finally, I chose uh, Re Regina Schweitzer-Bühler. Mm -hmm. But she was not on the list of training analysts. So I wondered what I should do. Should I choose one, one once again? But then I noticed that uh, she was the wife of Andrea Schweitzer, so mm -hmm. that would be nice to ask him for analysis. Mm -hmm. So finally, I chose him from the list. Yeah. And then I called him uh, to make an appointment. I, my heart was pounding. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then he answered Schweitzer. And then I, I said, hello, may I speak Japanese? And then there was a pause. <laughs> there was a pause. I didn't, I didn't understand why he 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 was silent. And then he be, he began to laugh, and said, "No, no, I don't understand Japanese. So please English." <laughs> so only then I noticed. Oh my gosh, I made a mistake. Yeah. Oh, so you thought he spoke J Japanese? No, no, no. I was too nervous, so oh. I made a mistake. Oh, I okay. Say, May I speak English? Oh. <laughs> May I speak Japanese? <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But you speak German too, don't you? Yeah, I learned German in Switzerland. Oh. When I went to Switzerland, I could say only uh, Guten Morgen and Danke and mm -hmm. Schuldigung. And yeah, some words yeah. on. But. That's my favorite word. Yeah. And yeah. juiced. Mm -hmm. Juiced. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Auf Wiedersehen. Or the song. Mm -hmm. So you, uh, you guys laughed and, yeah. and you spoke. Mm -hmm. English. English. Yeah. I actually met Dr. Schweitzer uh, mm -hmm. at the psychology club in Zurich. He mm -hmm. gave me a tour mm -hmm. and his office, I don't know if it still is, is the room where mm -hmm. Jung had his office. Yes, yes. So tell us about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when I, I met him, I didn't know who, who he, he is and mm -hmm. where the, uh, what his room was. Mm -hmm. And then I met him and he asked me why I chose him. And I explained how I chose him. But he asked me if I attended his lecture or if somebody recommended me or if I wanted to see the room. I didn't understand what he meant. And, and I explained how I chose him honestly. From, I chose him from the list or something like that. Yeah. And then he smiled and I felt some meaning would be behind his smiling, but I couldn't ask him why but then several several months later i found that he was a famous lecturer and he was a member of curatorium and also a president of uh, eranos conference mm -hmm. and his room is originally jung's praxis yeah so i i i thought what a rude attitude to oh. say the I chose you from the list. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, he still te teases me. <laughs> he teases you about it. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So you had an, an analysis with him in that room. Yeah. 
I can picture it right now. It's this white room. Yes, and yes. of course it has all of his, uh, his possessions, his knickknacks, his artifacts. I'm, I'm saying the wrong words. I'm sure. I hope he's not listening to this, uh, but uh, it probably looks really a lot like how it looked when Jung practiced there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ha has a certain at atmosphere. Yes. Yeah, because that was my first time to enter the uh, the analytical room, so mm. I didn't notice how it had the atmosphere. But I can say that it has a certain atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, for the listeners who are not familiar, this is. Uh, what is now the psychology club in the middle of the city of Zurich. And it used to also house the original C.G. Jung Institute, which mm. at some point, I think in the 1980s, or maybe it was the 70s, uh, I should know that year, uh, moved to Kusnacht. Yeah. But the Jung Institute used to be in that building, which is on Gemeindestrasse. Is that yeah, yeah, Gemeindestrasse is the street in Zurich and uh, it's a really, really beautiful building and yeah. there's a lecture hall and a library and offices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you you were in analysis and you decided to, to train at the Jung Institute. Yeah, uh, at the very first stage of analysis, I had a very, uh, I had a big earthquake in my dream. And I'm sorry, a big, Earthquake. 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 I, you yeah. you had a dream about an earthquake, okay? Yeah, in my dream, and then I re I realized that a big change was happening in my in my psyche, and after that, in my dream, one of my friends called me, "Come on!" Mm. And in reality, she was an a training candidate at the Jung Institute, oh. not as an auditor like me. So I began to think of uh, becoming an analyst from these dreams. Mm. And I applied for it. And then, yeah, I, I went forward and became an analyst. Wow, wow that's wonderful that, that you paid attention mm -hmm. to the calls of the mm -hmm. psyche and the unconscious. So you were there for six years and then you returned to Japan. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned to me that you had kind of a difficult time adjusting. Um, that that must have been rather difficult after six years. So what was your experience um, kind of settling back in your your native homeland? Uh, that was, uh, yeah, really difficult because I didn't ex expect such a difficulty. Yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I had to think every, uh, everything of my behaviors. What shall, uh, shall, shall I do in this situation as a Japanese? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's turn to the book, uh, mm -hmm. which we're here to talk about today. Yeah. It is titled The Code of Laozi, A Gate for the Great Tao, The Ultimate Principle of Sexuality Hidden in Laozi's Teaching. Mm -hmm. It is an English translation, your English translation of the book written by a Japanese man named Kazuki Chika. Yeah. Is, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, correct. Kazuki Chiga. Uh, it was originally published in Japanese in 2009. Mm -hmm. And you were, so you were made aware of this book 10 years ago. So tell yeah. us how, the story of how you were first made aware of that book. Yeah. And at first, at the session, uh, at the psychological session, one of, one of my clients rushed into the session with, his book and she said please read this book it's inspiring mm -hmm. and she was a very very sens sensitive person so i wanted to understand why she felt so so i bought it 
bought it and read it. And yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah. And I wanted I wanted my analyst, Andreas, and also one of the supervisors, Eleanor, to read this book. So I I sent um an email to the author if he is going to publish a English version mm -hmm. because I, I would like to buy it for them. And then he said at that moment he had no plan to do that, but he wanted yeah, that would be nice to publish it in English. So mm -hmm. he asked me to translate it mm -hmm. into English. Mm -hmm. It it is a real. I have goosebumps right now because it is such a beautiful book. Uh -huh. The message in this book and just yeah, there's you. just a, yeah there's there's an aura about it and um, mm. right now I'm kind of seeing your aura. It, it's stunning. Uh, but so uh, who? Let's begin with who is Kazuki Chiga, the author. Uh. I have met him only once, in fact, through the uh, internet com communication. Okay. Yeah. And he uh, used to be a teacher at the elementary school. Yeah. And he was disappointed uh, in a system of Japanese education and so mm -hmm. on. So. And then he, his major at the university was uh, Chinese literature. Mm -hmm. So he, uh, visited China several times, yeah, in a, in a remote place. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, he he has a group or a community for the healing, healing process or healing yeah, group or dancing group, yeah. So he's not a psychologist. No, no. He has nothing to do with psychology. No. But he recognized that a Jungian would be perfect for translating this book. Yeah, when I, I wrote to him, he thought a yeah, Jungian idea, idea would be close to his, yeah, he told me. And he, uh, it was as if he was waiting for a person like me mm -hmm. yeah, to make a contact, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you, you had never translated a book before. <laughs> no. And English is not your first language. No. So this was such a brave uh, and really powerful undertaking for you because you were really moved by this book, as was your analysand, as was I. And mm -hmm. you felt that it was worth your time, the time mm -hmm. that you put into translating it. So let's clear up for the audience. Lao Tzu spelled L-A-O-Z-I is Lao Tzu, L-A-O space T-Z-U. Mm -hmm. And he lived between 570 and 480 BC. Mm -hmm. And the book of Lao Tzu is the Tao De Jing, right? So this book titled The Code of Lao Tzu, how mm -hmm. is this similar to the Tao Te Ching, tell us what's going on here. Yeah, and uh, uh, the title of code of Lao Tzu uh, means, uh, so in Lao Tzu's teaching, there is a code, secret code. A secret code. Yeah, and uh, so it, it, it's kind of complicated to explain, but Chinese character have uh, the, sound so there are some chinese characters with the same sound but with the different meanings and tao te ching consists of three chinese characters tao te ching and ching means the teaching and tao is tao the balanced balanced state or also, and te means virtue. So Tao Te Ching means teaching of ba balanced state and virtue. But if we switch the uh, characters with another character with the same sound, but with a different meaning, 
So, for example, Tao, the balanced state with the different Tao, that means poke. Oak? Poke, poke. 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 The, uh, uh, sting or poke. Okay, poke. Yeah. P O K E. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Tao, with the uh, Tao, te, with the Te, mm -hmm. virtue, with another Te, that means acceptance or receive. Then the Tao Te Chin becomes teaching of pork and acceptance, pork and receive, and so on. And that conno uh, connotates male and female poke and re receive and then in a sense that connotes the conjunction of male and female and the conjunction of the opposites so tao te chin the so familiar meaning of tao te chin becomes the teaching of uh conjunction of the opposites or the teaching of male and female or something like that and that does sound very Jungian. Yeah, yes. Yes, and Kazuki Chiga, had he read Jung? Um, yeah, maybe so, yeah. In, in his book, he mentioned about Jung only a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't, I actually didn't see Jung mentioned anywhere in the book. Um, so I'm going to have to go back and look again. And the premise, what I got, of mm -hmm. what this book is about is that Kazuki Chiga says the book of Lao Tzu is a book written in code mm -hmm. and the esoteric teachings have double meanings mm -hmm. that have been kept sealed for almost 2,500 years mm -hmm. that, that Lao Tzu wrote in code mm -hmm. and so he explores why why would he write in code and then toward the end of the book he likens it to leonardo da vinci who i've been studying a lot lately uh, ironically and and how da vinci put things in his paintings a, mm -hmm. a, a secret code if you will yeah, yeah, yeah so tell us about this idea of Lao Tzu writing in code mm. Yeah, it is supposed that if uh, Lao Tzu wrote the male and female teaching so openly, that he thought the teaching would be thrown away or burned out or cast out. Cast in, out. In, mm -hmm. Yeah, in the course of history, so he he might conceal the meaning with a well-known or accept, acceptable uh, kanji, so characters he used. Yeah, but it's not surprising because even though the earthly aspect of human being and the spiritual aspect of human being are, uh, seems like very far away and separated and the, even the opposite, but at the same time, they are very close, and that uh, they are as if both sides of, of one coin. Mm. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. but anyway, to protect yeah. the teaching, he to protect the teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. he, he used the code. Yeah, and this is not well known. I I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with it. Chinese philosophy or literature, so not, I don't know if it is well known or not, but yeah, so, so, some scholars would find it or would think of, think so, or I'm not sure. You're not sure. So this is reminding me of what I read in the intro that your thesis was on um, the dynamics of masculinity and femininity. Mm -hmm. And then here we are with this code being about the conjunctio, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's 
get into this a little bit more. Um, well, I would also like to mention, uh, actually, before we say more about the contents of the book, that the foreword was written by Heyoung Shen, mm, yes. uh, a very famous, actually, uh, Jungian yeah. analyst in China. He mm -hmm. is currently a professor of psychology at South China Normal University and the City University of Macau. Uh, he's also a sand play therapist, and he is the founding president of the Chinese Federation for Analytical Psychology and Sand Play Therapy. He was the Fay lecturer in 2018. So did you ask Dr. Shen, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, did you ask him to write the foreword to this book? Yes, yes. I have never met him, but at first I asked uh, Marie Stein, mm. yeah, for some advices, and he told told me advised me to ask. Uh, I I also don't know how to pronounce his name, but uh, Doctor Sheon. Yeah, and then I I wrote the mail to ask for ask ask for writing the preface, and then he told yeah he he wrote in the preface that there was a synchronistic. When I wrote to him, yeah. he's yeah, just going to go to the remote place. So he he took the manuscript into the train also. Yeah, I was really grateful. Yeah. Grateful that he was willing to to write yes. the uh, foreword. But let's tell the listeners who are not familiar with the book, um, you mentioned the synchronicity that he experienced because he was on his way to this remote area in South China. Yeah, yeah. And that is where Kazuki Chiga went. Uh, that's what this mm -hmm. book is about, mm -hmm. is the teachings that he received when he went to this remote area of China. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that, that place. Uh, I, so I don't know uh, where it is, but Mm -hmm. Very remote place in the south southwest uh, in the woods, yeah. So in in the mountain. So Chiga visited the village, uh, and it took many many hours and days. Yeah. Yeah, and and I I don't want to gloss over this. It took him days and hours and hours and hours of walking. Yes, yes. For days with yeah. a guide to mm -hmm. get to this remote village mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. through the jungle. And I, th this book is, it's such a pleasure to read because I'm picturing, you know, everything as I'm reading it. And it's just wonderful. I, I really needed that. I hadn't read anything like that in a long time. Yeah. So while, while reading, you can imagine the scenery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. and hear hear the sound, and yeah, so yeah, so that is where uh, Chiga received these teachings. But you said that Dr. Shen, uh, his last name is spelled S H E N, but he's Chinese. I don't know what the Chinese pronunciation is. That he was on his way mm -hmm. to not to that exact village, right, but to that mm -hmm. area. Yes, yes, that Wait. area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so tell us why, uh, well, you, you chose him because you were looking for uh, someone familiar with the Chinese literature to, to, yes. to write this for the book. Yeah. And he, he explains uh, in the foreword that the Code of Lao Tzu um, in that book mm -hmm. The word sex has multiple meanings. Mm -hmm. It includes the experience of sex, the nature of nature, sexual energy, sacred mm -hmm. sex. And Lao Tzu proposes uh, the concept of universal sex. Mm -hmm. And that uh, Kazuki Chiga, the author of the book, believes that all things are born from the ultimate sex slash nature. Mm -hmm. And every cell every molecule and every mm -hmm. atom is the mm -hmm. product of sex. Mm -hmm. And even that sex, sexual energy, be considered as the 
essence of the universe. Mm -hmm. So tell us why the subtitle of the book is the ultimate principle of sexuality hidden in Lao Tzu's teaching. What does that mean? Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, because uh, it it is not just open but hidden. And if we try to feel it, and it, only if we try to find it, we can we can feel and find it. So in that sense, hidden in the in the in the relationship. Mm -hmm. But yeah. if if people read the you say the Tao Te Ching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. If people read that, they're not going to get a sense of sexuality from it. Mm -hmm. It's about leadership and uh, virtue and honor and, you know, and life and uh, not about sex. But what this book is showing us is that sex isn't just what we think of as sex. Mm -hmm. And it is the basis for everything. Mm. So tell us more about that. Yeah, uh, this is a base because uh, in in the universe, the yin and yang, everything could be could be categorized in in or yang. If yeah, if we, we can say so, the inner yang are the opposite, the base in 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 the universe, and then from the from the opposite, we can uh, we can uh, make or we can pro produce something new. Yeah. We can produce something new from the opposites, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, there is. Uh, a translator's note in the oh, back yes. of the book yeah. that, mm -hmm. that you wrote that's very mm -hmm. beautiful because the book is Kazuki Chiga's writing. So there's the mm -hmm. foreword by Dr. Shen yeah. and Kazuki Chiga's book. And then yeah. you write this really beautiful translator's note um, at Thank the you. end. And it's at the, in the back of the book, you say transformation within oneself can influence one's world because the inner and outer are connected deeply, regardless yeah. of our being conscious or unconscious of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Will you speak a little bit about that, about the inner and outer worlds being connected? Yeah, uh, that comes from the Jungian, Jungian psychology, the mm -hmm. idea of Jungian psychology. And everything, so inside of, of our psyche, is parallel. The events outside, yeah. So parallel, yeah. Parallel, yeah. So in that sense, uh, if I I myself hold the conflict within myself, I don't have to project uh, one uh, one part onto the other, and then, yeah. So the relationship with other with the others will be also uh good yeah but and yeah <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. easy to explain no that. i know it's very difficult concept mm -hmm. yes yeah yeah and i think that that is what is behind synchronicity that's what i was trying mm -hmm. to get to last year when i was doing a lot of episodes about synchronicity and i was trying to get someone to explain Mm -hmm. how the way I see synchronicity is that the outer world is a reflection. Yeah. I don't know if reflection is the right word of the inner world, that mm -hmm. inner and outer are the same. Yeah, and yes. so the famous example of Jung being with a patient and her relating that she dreamt of being given a golden scarab mm -hmm. and then this beetle, the scarab mm -hmm. beetle appears yes, at the yes. window. Yeah. So would you explain synchronicity that way as well? Yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah, when I, I have a dream, I inter interpret uh, I try to understand my dream subjectively, of course. But yeah, sometimes that could be 
the events outside, so synchronistically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and also uh, in that translator's note, you you uh, you look at this story uh, as a fairy tale, and you mm -hmm. say it can be understood as an important message of psychic process. Mm -hmm. And you say, let's look at the story from a psychological point of view. So this this book about Kazuki Chiga's journey to this remote area of China, him mm -hmm. meeting this Mr. M mm -hmm. and receiving this teaching from him, mm -hmm. that this is a, a psychological process. Yeah. So what did you mean by that? Yeah, so in the book, he went into the village, very remote place that could be understood that we go far away, so to the deep place, uh, so deep part in our psyche, mm -hmm. accompanying him. And then in the book, he explained very uh, important, important thing very deeply. So then that could be understood uh, in, the, in the depth of, of our psyche, we saw very important thing or we experienced very a sacred thing in the depths. And then when in the book, when he came back to reality, so we we could understand that we go back to the ego or something like that. So reading reading the book, accompanying him into the village and coming back, and then the process uh, helps us to to experience going to the deep place and coming back so like a fairy tale we we can read a book yeah and that sounds like what you did when you went to switzerland uh -huh. a deep place yeah and really got into your psychic process and mm -hmm. then you came back mm -hmm. so that's that's similar and you mentioned the word temenos, the uh -huh. Greek word that means sacred location. And mm -hmm. you say that the temenos, again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Me neither. Okay. <laughs> the temenos, I'm sure we'll hear, uh, is the location within where a wise old man in our psyche lives or mm -hmm. a wise old woman. Oh, did I lose you, Kiyomi? Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Oh, there you are. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it just froze a little, but you're back. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. so the temenos is the location within. We always mm -hmm. think it's something outside of us. It's inside mm -hmm. of us. It's within. Uh, but the outside is a metaphor. Uh, where mm -hmm. a wise old man in our psyche lives, and we can confront the wisdom there, which has been kept intact since ancient times. And then about the village, you say deep in our psyches resides such a place, the great mm -hmm. Tao. Mm -hmm. And you were led by the author into the depths of your psyche uh, when you read the book. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. that, that, that he entered that place. I mean, so I'm assuming he's never been in analysis. Uh, he's, mm -hmm. he's not made that that journey to uh, be becoming an analyst, he did it differently. He did it another way. And yeah. so those physical, uh, it wasn't the first time that he visited a remote area in China. It was the first time he had been there. But something mm -hmm. um, that I found kind of curious is it was repeated a few times in the book whether or not that place was really real. And if people are trying to find it, mm -hmm. What do you say yeah. about that? People that might question, did did he really, was this just his imagination or did he really go there and encounter this teacher? Yeah, yeah. Th uh, that's a good point. I, I am not sure about it. Yeah. But he, it's clear that he visited the remote place uh, sometimes. But yeah. That, yeah. I cannot say. I, I, I'm not sure how, how, 
he experienced or where he went or how yeah he experienced indeed it, it really made me think that there can exist i mean china is a huge mm. country and yeah. with uh, a lot of it is difficult to uh to inhabit right so a lot of it is is not habitable because of the terrain mm -hmm. and this village that he went to was just so deep in the mountains in the jungle and he said that there are races of people there that are unknown to civilized man mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they live in a completely different way yeah but that that it was such a so nature-based yeah and so i'm reading that you know from my apartment in in downtown chicago with you know mm -hmm. sirens and on my ipad and i just mm -hmm. i felt i felt so disconnected from my from nature when mm -hmm. I'm reading this and I'm realizing how disconnected I am from nature and my own yeah. nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was uh, uh, eye-opening uh, to say the least. But uh, Kazuki Chika, Chika says that the Tao Te Ching is the conjunctio of male and female mm -hmm. and that um, the sexual meaning was changed to a spiritual meaning. meaning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what can you say about the sexual spiritual meaning the difference there the difference yeah yeah mm, sexual meaning is uh, literally sexual so physical but in in physical relationship there is the uh, spiritual meaning spiritual meaning are the spiritually conjunctionist behind the physical relationship. If we, if, uh, yeah, we try to find it or feel it, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just wanna make sure before we move on that the listeners are clear on what this code of Lao Tse is. So if we could sum it up before we move on, um, what would you say is the, the, the basic message that oh. Chig is trying to convey here. Mm. Yeah, so uh, basic message of Chiga or Lao Tzu? Well, that what, what Chiga discovered about Lao Tzu. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the basic message of Lao Tzu is the, there is a uh, spiritual meaning behind the sexual relationship. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you'll have to just read the book uh, for more on that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd like to turn now to uh, your other interests and uh, the other work that you do, which is as a psychological astrologer. Yeah. And I would like for you to tell us what the difference is between uh, one who practices astrology and one who practices psychological astrology. And, and then I want to talk about why, why I'm asking that. Yeah. And uh, say it once again, the difference between psychology yes. and uh, astrological, yeah, psychological astrology. Yeah. So what is a psychological astrologer? How is that differ, different from uh, the practice of general uh, sorry, did I say that right? Psychological astrology um, as opposed to general astrology. Yeah. Uh, in, yeah, in fact, I studied astrology, yeah, psychological astrology, but not in general or traditional psycho, uh, astrology. Okay. Right. But I heard that traditional astrology is rather good or bad or fortune uh the divinative or um, i cannot say clearly but rather good or, good or bad uh fortune teller or something like that but psychological astrology astrology is uh, the as uh as the dream analysis 
psychology, in psychological astrology, we see the chart as the projection of our psyche. Right. Yeah. The chart is a projection of the psyche. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we understand the uh, chart symbolically. Yes. Yeah. So th that's the maybe big difference, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. Well, when we had our pre-interview talk uh, a couple months ago, you told me something that it kind of shook me because I had never heard a Jungian analyst say this before. And I studied astrology for many years back in the mm -hmm. 1990s. It was uh, actually at the beginning of my analysis, but I wasn't studying Jung at the time. And I'm really grateful that I had those two years of full-time study of it was traditional Western astrology, just to get all those basics down. Um, so what you said to me that was so impactful, you said the origin of Jung's ideas for psychology mm -hmm. are in astrology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'd like for you to share with the listeners uh, more about that. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I, the more I studied uh, astrology, the more I felt so. So behind the, the before the Jungian psychology, or underneath the Jungian psychology, there will be astrology because there are some similar ideas between Jungian psychology and astrology, psychological astrology, mm -hmm. such as uh, four functions, and also the individuation process. Also, so I really felt the Jung studied astrology very deeply, mm -hmm. and even even astrology was the base, and not all, but base of uh, some parts of Jungian psychology. Yeah, so that was my hunch. So I wanted to. Uh, make sure, or I wanted to know some if somebody told that that would be very helpful to uh, for for my hunt. And then I read Liz Green's book, uh, published in twenty eighteen, mm -hmm. and in her book there was a Jung's handwritten NATO, uh, handwritten chart. That means he studied astrology so yeah. much because his days he couldn't write the chart by the technology. Right. He had to calculate all of the the planetary cons uh, the constellations or locations. The so, positions, yeah, yeah. And if there is the handwritten charts. Uh, written by Jung, that really means that he studied astrology so deeply. Yeah, he did, and his daughter became an astrologer, Gret. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the for the listeners, the book that you're referring to, Liz Green wrote a two-volume set. I've asked Dr. Green to be a guest on this podcast many times, but she doesn't mm -hmm. do interviews. So. I was on Chris Brennan's The Astrology Podcast mm -hmm. to talk about uh, her the first volume, which is titled Jung's Studies in Astrology, Prophecy, Magic, and the Qualities of Time. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Dr. Jen Zart, mm. there it is. Yeah. Dr. Jen Zart, Chris Brennan, and I did an episode of The Astrology Podcast back in 2018 about it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But this is not some sort of light, superficial glossing over of Jung's connection with astrology. Dr. Green was given access to Jung's yeah. private library. Uh, mm -hmm. Professor Sonusham Dasani mm -hmm. wrote the introduction to the book, and mm -hmm. Dr. Green was given full access, it seems, to everything. And there are mentions of astrology throughout the collected works, but more so in the letters, in letters volumes one and two. Yeah. So um, tell us about, just tell us more about Jung's connection with astrology and how you see, because you studied astrology and know astrology, what else do you see uh, in Jung's psychology 
um, sorry, I just, I had written some things down here about, uh, in astrology, we use the three qualities, uh, the four elements, mm -hmm. the six oppositions or the six pairs of opposites, mm -hmm. and the 12 signs and houses. Mm -hmm. And I always think of the, the square stone that he carved at bowling in and mm -hmm. all the astrological symbols on that. Yeah, yeah. So Jung was uh, influenced by astrology, mm -hmm. but it seems he didn't make a big deal out of it because he was dealing with um, these criticisms and accusations mm -hmm. about uh, not being scientific, um, mm -hmm. about yeah. being a mystic, when in fact he was an MD, he was a doctor, he was a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, and in a reflection and re, uh, the dream, and so I forgot the word in English, but it's okay. yeah. So Jung wrote that he felt the studying a myth is very important. And there was uh, one, a 1911 or a bit before, but at that time, already he began to study astrology. And 1911, he wrote to Freud that uh, he studied astrology and he, so he will get some treasures from uh, studying astrology or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And so after, after he began to study astrology, the, he, he, mentioned the importance of studying uh, myths. So that is, yeah, in, um, interesting I found because studying astrology, so myth, uh, the, if we understand myth, so mm -hmm. it will help us to understand astrology deeper, right? Because the planetary energy uh, have uh, have the meaning of uh, meaning of other uh, myth. So it com comes from myth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do do you work with the archetypes as well uh, in astrology, mm -hmm. or or more with the myths? Uh, from from the myth, uh, I understand the image of the. Uh, Planet, planet, yeah. planetary, yeah, mm -hmm. energy, yeah. And so, you do you believe that uh, when Jung was developing his psychology, mm -hmm. that um, that he turned to astrology, or that he had this basis, uh, this astrological knowledge that he then applied mm. to his theories. Mm. Yeah, I feel that he mm, he had he knows astrology, and then some terminology he rename. He renamed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, into Jungian psychology, but I'm not sure, and it, it is not uh, it is not easy to say he did so, but. Uh, there are some similar similar ideas or yeah well, similarities between uh, Jungian psychology and astrology. So I I figure out I imagine so, but I, I'm not sure. I have to ask him. You'd have to ask him. Yeah, yeah. and uh, astrology is a very old tradition. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. very ancient. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's so many different uh, branches of astrology mm -hmm. and uh, and like alchemy um, it's been around for a really long time and whereas uh, psychology is relatively new in comparison yes, yeah. right so astrology is it has basic ideas of the universe and nature and mm -hmm. and life and so it makes a lot of sense that um it would be a that jung would have adapted a lot of it to yeah. his psychology yeah yeah so how do you use psychology in your practice i'm sorry astrology 
how do you use astrology in your practice as a Jungian analyst? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, as a Jungian analyst, so to, to understand ourselves, is uh, from the depth is very important and dream analysis is one one method one tool mm -hmm. and also astrology uh, is another tool to understand ourselves so yeah so in that way I would like to introduce uh, or I introduce uh, astrology to make my clients to understand themselves from the astrological standpoint of view and, yeah. and you find it helpful yeah 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 it's, yeah it's amazing because i listen to their dreams if they they have but yeah uh try yes i did the trial i, I explain if uh, they are interested in astrology i try to explain their natal chart and then they were empowered from the explanation of their natal yeah. child. That was really amazing. That's yeah. what I felt it in my in myself. Yeah, they say that made me amazed. They are amazed, amazed, but their reaction made me amazed. And they they really are empowered and yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Jung even said that if he uh, ran up against an obstacle or needed more insight into a person, he would look at their natal chart. And I, mm -hmm. I know I've said this before, but uh, I feel like astrology saved my sanity because it made things make sense to me. Because mm -hmm. before that, nothing made sense to me. And I can't imagine having survived without it, because mm -hmm. it is a blueprint. Mm -hmm, yeah. It is a snapshot of, it, it contains everything. And I think that I can only see a small fraction of what it's showing me, but it's mm -hmm. enough to give me a basis yeah. of understanding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I just wanna uh, circle back to Dr. Green's two-volume series, the other book, volume two, is titled The Astrological World of Jung's Liber Novus, which is mm -hmm. the red book, and the subtitle is Daimons, Gods, and the Planetary Journey. Mm -hmm. And this, these books are very dense. Yeah, yeah. Very, very scholarly, mm -hmm. uh, lots of footnotes, and mm -hmm. they it's, mm -hmm. it's incredible, this two-volume series. It doesn't get... Um, the amount of attention that I believe it deserves. So uh, I try to mention it, you know, every time, every chance I get. Mm -hmm. So as we come to the end of our time here together today, I was wondering if there was anything um, that we haven't covered that you would like to mention? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Today is a very special day, first, yeah, because uh, it's Buddha's birthday today. It's Buddha's birthday today. Buddha's mm -hmm. birthday. And also, astrologically, just before the full conjunction of Jupiter and Neptune in mm. Pisces, it happens only 170-year cycle, so only once in our lifetime. Yeah, so, yeah. So th that's the planet Jupiter, <clears throat> excuse me, and the planet Neptune mm -hmm. in the sign of Pisces. Yes. And uh, that's a pretty powerful combination, what Rob Han calls yeah. Jupiter-Neptune scheme. Yeah. And in Pisces, wow. Yeah. Uh, and and it's the Buddhist birthday. So tell, would you tell us a little bit about the significance of Buddha's birthday and how that's uh, recognized in your culture? I we just uh, do the uh, flower festival mm -hmm. and Buddha's birthday. Uh, so <laughs> Buddha, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. 
So I know that um, I have a lot of Tibetan friends who are Tibetan monks mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they were on tour here in the United States. I met them about 12 years ago and I still keep in touch with them. I have mm -hmm. video calls with them and it's a big auspicious occasion for them, Buddhist birthday. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so you're saying that it is interesting that it's also... Uh, occurring at the same time of a Jupiter-Neptune yeah. conjunction in Pisces. And just a little bit for the listeners, would you share a little bit about the significance or the meaning of that conjunction? Yeah. And Jupiter and a Neptune conjunction in Pisces could mean the expansion of spiritual advancement and, and the opportunities for redemption and uh, also the healing and so on. And something will, some, something like that would be spread seamlessly because that's, that happens in Pisces. So I hope such a vibration will be spread all over the world, all mm. over the universe, yeah. Wasn't it uh, Dr. Green who wrote the book on Neptune, Neptune and the Quest for Redemption? Is that Dr. Green's book? Yeah, maybe. I sh yeah, she she wrote a book, a very thick book on, on Neptune. Yeah. That's the book, yep. Yep, I read that a long time ago. It just reminded me of it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It is called The Astrological Neptune and the Quest for Redemption. Mm -hmm. uh, it is available on Amazon. And um, I will provide a link to that, as I said, in the show notes. So Kiyomi, I would like to thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, I it was such a pleasure to speak with you about this book. And I want to encourage the listeners to uh, get a copy because it the book is transformative. It's it just it made me smile, uh, it gave me goosebumps. And it's a, a wonderful connection to, as you say, Jung's ideas. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, so, thank you. Yeah. I just want to give you the final word. Yeah. Uh, it was really good experience for, for me to think of my, uh, to reflect my life so far and think of my life, life from now on. So I really thank you for inviting me as a guest. That, that was really a uh, good experience. Yeah, thank you. I'm really glad to hear that. Thank you so much for saying that. I'm just going to read the outro. Please visit the website, Speaking of Jung, that's J-U-N-G.com for more information on everything that was discussed in this episode. There you'll also find all of the previous episodes of this podcast, which are available to stream or to download for free. Speaking of Jung is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So with special thanks to Dr. Stephen Buser and Jennifer Fitzgerald at Chiron Publications, this is Laura London, and you've been listening to Speaking of Young. <laughs>